0: This is Bigger Questions with your host, Robert Martin.
1: Welcome to Bigger Questions, recorded live in the city of Melbourne. Today's big question, how can I believe when the church does wrong? In 1882, the great German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche made the controversial claim, God is dead. So has God been killed by his strongest opponents? Today we tackle a big objection to belief in God today, and today's objection is the church. I can't believe in God because the church does more evil than good. And we're privileged to have Guy Mason from City on a Hill join us. Now, Guy studied public relations at RMIT before working in media and communications. He left that to study theology and to found City on a Hill, a church which now has over 1,500 people attending each week. Guy is lead pastor of City on a Hill, overseeing churches in Melbourne, Geelong and Brisbane. So please welcome... Guy Mason. Well, welcome, Guy. It's great that you can join us here today. It's good to be here. Uh, now, today we're thinking about the church, but you didn't grow up going to the church, did you? No, that's right. Um, tell, us, tell us what happened. Yeah,
0: most of my life I never went to church, never uh, talked about God or believed in God. To be honest, uh, Jesus was nothing but a swear word to mm-hmm. me and uh, most of the members in my family. So, uh, But I think like most Australians... Um, uh, was gripped by the bigger questions of life, like the ones that you were seeking to to explore. And I think I'd experienced some of the goodness of life. You know, Australia is a great culture to be part of, good sport, good good music, good friends, uh, all those things. But I'd also experienced some of the, the garbage of life as well. And when you kind of, um, you know, bring those two worlds together, you, you have to begin searching and wondering and, and looking up and asking why. Um, and so when I was about Uh, 14, 15 years of age. It was actually through a friend. uh, I was given uh, a Bible. Uh, I considered myself a bit of a songwriter at the time and thought there might be some cool lyrics in there. And so uh, one night I opened it up and uh, I was captivated by um, this person, Jesus. Um, Did you find any lyrics? Uh, no. Oh, well, yes and no, but <laughs> but more importantly, uh, just you know, um, drawn to him and his uh, his courage, um, his conviction to speak truth—not only historical truth, but experiential truth. Mm-hmm. It was making sense of the world that I was seeing, both the goodness of the world, but also the garbage as well. His conviction to, to challenge religious hypocrisy, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later, mm-hmm. uh, and then to suffer and die for me. Uh, I knew I was uh, running my own race. I knew what sin was. I lived it. Um, to think that Jesus would die for my sin was radically transforming to me. And so I, I was really kind of um, committed to two things at that point, and that was to know more about this Jesus and, and to want to make this Jesus known.
1: Mm. And I suppose that's led your life since that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've continued to want to be on a journey uh, to know more about Jesus, you know, the Bible's like the ocean and takes a minute to dive in, but a lifetime to explore. Um, but equally, I, I'm passionate about helping other people come to know who Jesus really is. I think there are a lot of perceptions out there of who God is and what the Bible's about. Uh, I certainly had misguided understanding of who God was. I know my family did as well. And so um, I wanted other people to see him. I still do. Mm. Um, I, think, well, I
1: suppose being a pastor of a church is a good place to make that happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Mm. Now, we do try to have a bit of fun here on Bigger Questions, and we ask some smaller questions to kick off the show. So as a pastor of a church, I thought I'd test your knowledge with a short quiz on how well do you know the church? Now, the church are, of course, an Australian alternative rock band which have been playing music since 1980. One of their most successful hits was a song released from the album Starfish back in 1988. What was the name of the song? Was it A, Under the Milky Way Tonight... B, under the Mars bar tonight, or C, under the influence of drugs and alcohol tonight? I have no idea, but I'm just going to go for A. Okay, well, A, Wait, well, you've got to correct. Well, give, give him a round of applause. <laughs> just correct. Yeah.
0: Process of reduction there, I think.
1: Yeah, yeah, possibly, <laughs> yeah. Have you ever listened to the church?
0: Oh, I'm sure I have, but uh, no, they're not on my Spotify right now. Right, so. okay, right. Yeah. Do you like 80s music?
1: uh uh, yes and no in the right mood the right party maybe (laughs) (laughs) an 80s party perhaps yeah yeah okay former australian cricketer adam gilchrist has the nickname church or churchy how did he get the nickname was it because a the last syllable of his name is christ was it b he demonstrated holier-than-thou religious credentials when he walked in the 2003 world cup semi-final contrary to the umpire's not out decision was it c obviously hypocrisy For leaving his home in New South Wales to play cricket for Western Australia, a commentator then said, Christ, just like the church, doing whatever suits him best. Or was it D, a young autograph hunter, once approached him and said, Excuse me, Eric Gilchurch, can I have your autograph? I'm going to go D this time. Okay. Uh, Well, the correct answer is, in fact, D. Correct, yes. Yeah. Apparently, uh, yes, a round of applause. Wow. I'm really disappointed. You're, you're, pretty, you're pretty good at this <laughs> I'm just quiz your You're time. pretty good at this quiz <laughs> thing. Yeah, apparently, it was that uh, Gilchrist was standing with Steve War and Glenn McGrath, and some kid went up, recognised the other two, didn't have any idea who Gilchrist was, and asked him if he was Eric Gilchurch. <laughs> that's it. Awesome. And uh, so he's called Churchy, short for Eric Gilchurch. So there you go. So, Guy, in our church quiz, you've done very well. You've got two out of two correct. That's so, 100%. another round of applause. Thank for, you, thank Guy you. Guy Mason, <laughs> quizmaster. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Now, anyway, so thinking more about the Christian church, you didn't grow up in the church, as you've mentioned, um, but you did have some contact with the church growing up. Yeah. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think, you know, touching on the topic today, a unique kind of experience. Um, My parents separated when I was nine, ten, and my mum ended up working a couple of jobs just to try and put food on the table. Um, But thankfully, one of our relatives, uh, her sister actually, used to come around once a week uh, to deliver Kind of day old bread. They realized we didn't have much food on the table, so she'd come around and bring it. Now she was a a churchgoer, and they'd bring this bread, uh, which was a great positive and a great gift. Uh, But it comes, the story comes with a bit of a twist. Um we my mum started noticing that some of her money was missing. Now we didn't have much money at at all back then, so she'd really notice if a $10 or a $20 bill would go missing. Um she thought it was me. She thought I was the one stealing her money, it wasn't. Um, and then um, a few things came together. Uh, so one night, uh, actually, uh, my uh, auntie's husband came around to do the usual thing and deliver bread. This time he said to me, he said, oh, Guy, could you go down to the car and, and get, the, get the bread from the car? I've got to go use the bathroom, which I said, sure, that's fine. So I started uh, walking down uh, the, street, uh, the, the street towards the car, and I don't know what it was, but something came over me and said, no, no, go back inside. And uh, immediately I walked back inside... And I find uh, this guy with his hands in my mother's uh, wallet, uh, pulling out some money. And uh, at that point, uh, I was angry. Mm. I was only a young kid at that time, but I used all the strength I could to kind of grab him by the, the collar, uh, threw him up against the um, the wall. And uh, I specifically said to him, and you call yourself a Christian. Uh, I, I guess I had an understanding that Christians were supposed to be good and kind and generous. And yet clearly he was uh, out of line there, And so threw him out of the house, and uh, that, was a, that was a picture, I guess, of the kind of the contradiction, you know, on one hand delivering bread, on the other hand stealing money. Um, it wasn't a great uh, reflection of uh, true Christ What I've come to see is true Christianity. Now,
1: and I suppose that incident in many ways highlights the very problem that we're examining today. And American author Brendan Manning famously said, the greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, walk out the door, and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Do you agree with Manning's assessment? I mean, I think it's a, it's a provocative statement. Um, it probably
0: says too much. Um, but having said that, I think it's, there's, a lot of, uh, there's a lot of truth to it. Um, there's a lot of people I've, I've met who um, really struggle with the concept of belief in God based on the, the evidence, the hypocrisy. I remember many years ago going to the, the, the Global Atheist Convention, You know, hearing lots of arguments about why God doesn't, God doesn't exist, et cetera, et cetera. But it was amazing to see that once, I think it was Dawkins, made a kind of off-the-cuff comment about hypocrisy in the church and injustice, how much resonance that got from the people who were there. Um, and it really kind of revealed to me perhaps a different angle that a lot of the people who say they don't believe in God, may not necessarily do so for rational or logical reasons, but experiential reasons. They've had a very bad experience with someone who claimed to be a Christian, and that's made the concept of God distasteful. Uh, so we need to consider that.
1: So is this something that you had to overcome in becoming a believer?
0: Uh, it was one of the many steps, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a huge thing for me because I think, and and I think non-Christians can see this, I at the time could see this was inconsistent. Um, but again, I mean, that's a very, it was a very trivial, small example. Some of us have suffered, uh, much more, uh, than that. And that becomes tremendously hard. I mean, I can just share the story about my mum. Uh, my mother, um, was dropped at the steps of Flinders Street when she was about nine years of age. She was an orphan and, uh, was sent to a place called Nazareth House in Ballarat, which was run by Catholic nuns, um completely hypocritical in their faith. They were abusive. Uh, They they reveled in a God who was about fear and manipulation and sending any kid to hell for doing the wrong thing. And so she has a very um, challenging view of Christianity based on that brokenness that she's seen. So when I talk to God, about uh, God to her, she has a very different image. Mm-hmm. And so we need to get over that. And episode. that's a
1: much bigger barrier to overcome. Absolutely. Yeah, Yeah. yeah absolutely. Okay. Well, we're going to explore these issues more today in a section of the scriptures that we're going to look at. And in the New Testament book of Luke, in Luke ten twenty five, a lawyer comes to Jesus to ask a question. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So, Guy, what is the motive behind this lawyer's question?
0: Well, I think uh, Luke highlights it for us right there, doesn't he? He says, to test Jesus. Mm. So, obviously, he's uh, feeling a little threatened by Jesus and the the teaching that challenges his view of religion. Uh, This is his opportunity uh, to expose Jesus, Mm. to to corner Jesus.
1: Yeah, so his motives are not entirely... (laughs) They they certainly don't.
0: No, certainly Luke gives us that indication.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, Jesus then responds and then asks, well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? Well, he, the lawyer answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. So it seems as though that the correct way of following uh, the law is to love God and love others. Do you think this is difficult? Uh,
0: Well, absolutely. Um, Both from personal experience, but also the witness of scripture. Uh, I think it's helpful to see uh, as we're looking at this text that, I mean, Jesus is brilliantly accurate here in both addressing what this man knew to be true, that actually to fulfill the law, one must perfectly, continually love God with every part of their being Mm -hmm. and perfectly, lovingly, continually care for their neighbor as they would themselves, that whatever passion and compassion we show to ourselves needs to be extended to another that's what essentially sums up the law you know the holiness and beauty of of God and to 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 be one with him uh Jesus is highlighting well that would be the standard Mm -hmm. and I think it's it's key isn't it in that very next but he wanted to justify himself yeah so
1: the lawyer goes on he wanted to justify himself so he asked Jesus and who is my neighbor so what answer did the lawyer want to hear well I think
0: he's uh my reading of the text is he's, he's wanting a box to tick. Um, he's used to fulfilling a, a system of, of religion that says that if I do these things, then I'll be right with God, justified in the sight of God, justified in the sight of other people more specifically. Uh, so he's wanting Jesus to kind of rein that in, like who is my neighbor, create a box for him that he can, he can tick uh, to show that he's actually fulfilling this.
1: Mm. Well, then Jesus answers the question of, of who is my neighbor. It gives it a slightly different answer with a well-known story known as the Good Samaritan, which uh, we can look at now. In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him passed by on the other side. So why did... The religious men, the priests, the Levites, ignore a man in need.
0: I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Jesus is ex- exposing the sin of, of religious there, the hypocrisy. They may perhaps be very good at confessing a certain morality, um, but when it's unseen, they are prone to prone to wander. They're prone to uh, to neglect what they ought
1: to do. Sin is not just doing the wrong things, it's failing to do. The right, the things. right things, and so you're saying that because it's unseen, because no one's going to see them walk past this man, so they can kind of just do it.
0: Well, I think there's a disparity isn't there between the the, the life of the, the public life of the religious there and their, their personal devotion to the Lord that that it's often done to be seen, and this is obviously you know he, he's prodding at the lawyer at this point, mm. getting at his his motive and his heart. Mm.
1: Now, this is not the only example of religious hypocrisy and indifference, uh, no. is it? Like, for example, the Irish actor Gabriel Byrne, who trained in the seminary for five years when he was sexually abused, claims that the church was a force for evil that drew inspiration from Hitler's Nazis. So is the church a force for evil?
0: I think it can be. Yeah, I think it can be. I think... Um, um, and it has been? And it has been, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think what we see and what Jesus is exposing here, and he'll speak to again and again, mm. is that just because someone claims the name of Christ doesn't mean that they walk in the way of life. Just because someone claims to be of the church doesn't mean that they're exhibiting the life of the church. So um, it's, it's actually one of the, the a very endearing and honest um, teachings of Christ. Mm. Uh, Very relevant for our time in a world that's kind of hemorrhaging under that kind of brokenness and misuse and abuse and you hear tales and stories and and on and on it goes. Jesus stands on the side of that injustice and says, well, this is is not true religion. This is not true faith to neglect the poor in this way or to keep walking or to seek to always just justify yourself publicly when personally you have no love for God. Um, That's an injustice and Jesus stands against that.
1: So is that one of the things that drew you to Jesus in the first place when you were investigating him?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's remarkable, isn't it, about Jesus that on one hand he he will expose this kind of religious pride that seeks to pretend. You know, he uses this word hypocrite, um, which comes from that word to be an actor. I mean, these were people were just acting and pretending to look moral and right. Um, and, and religious. And religious, yeah, totally. And he, and he kind of confronts that. And at the same time, he is welcoming you know the poor in spirit, uh, the broken, uh, those who can see. Actually, no, I am a sinner. You know, I I I know I'm a sinner. I I I live that. I continue to struggle in sin. I find great. So what do you comfort. mean by
1: that? When you're a sinner, what does that mean?
0: Uh, it, it means that uh, I've given the finger to God. It means that I <laughs> I don't love Him um, perfectly. I often love myself more than I love God. It means that I don't uh, go to God for my satisfaction and joy. I go to other things. I'm constantly. Kind of running from him. It's not just a, it's not just breaking of rules, though. That's true. It's making my own rules. Uh, it's also pursuing another relationship outside of him. Mm. That's evident in my life. I knew it. I've seen it. And yet, remarkably, the gospel says Jesus welcomes the sinner. He's a friend of sinners. Uh, he, he he he's opposed to sin because sin is, is is evil and wrong in the sight of God. And yet, his great his great his forgiveness, his mercy extends to people like me people who do not yet know
1: jesus who are stumbling and Mm. struggling in sin so then we go back to the these these religious hypocrites here who ignore this man in need so how should we respond to this appalling religious hypocrisy neglect abuse and evil um which we've seen here but also we've seen in the history of the church
0: yeah well i i think it's time for and we're seeing we're seeing signs of this aren't we um for for christians to be open and real about that to say you know what um instead of trying to battle in this debate, to say, actually, no, we are sinners and we have stuffed up and we're part of that history. Um, It's too easy to kind of separate ourselves from that. To say, actually, no, we need to own our past and say, sorry, um, this is not good enough. This is not a a fair representation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has called us to be. Uh, We're sorry about that. We recognize the hurt that that has caused in very different ways, but important ways. And by God's grace, we long to do better. We long to do better. I mean, I think that that's the kind of things that need to be expressed, mm-hmm. and they're the kind of things that need to be shown. I think the same kind of it's it's interesting that the same kind of attitude that kind of governs this lawyer who is trying to stand up and look justified is the same thing that prevents us from true reconciliation today. We continue to want to look justified instead of saying, "No, our justification comes in Jesus. Um, we are sinners, and by His grace, we hope to do a better job." Mm.
1: Now, the famous Swiss theologian, Karl Barth, said it was the church, not the world, who crucified Christ. So it was the religious who put Jesus to death. Does that mean that religion poisons everything?
0: Well, I, I suppose, you know, that the scriptures will talk about, and, and again, it's, it's kind of exemplified here in these two stories, in this story, isn't it, that there is such a thing as false religion and true religion and, or true relationship with God. You know, so false religion despised Jesus because it exposed their evil. Mm jesus was very quick to call out the the hypocrites and that that ruffles feathers and so yeah he, he in part he went to the cross because of their desire to put an end to his light because he was exposing their darkness um so false religion poisons everything true religion as in you know humble sacrificial christ-centered life is a beautiful and glorious thing and it gives life hmm. um i so I've seen both things in life. You know, I shared the story about some poor examples of Christianity. I saw, I shared about my mother going to an orphanage and how terrible that was. I have tremendously more stories of of, of God's grace at work in redeeming and bringing life to people, mm. um, seeing how that works, seeing the many um, acts of service and compassion in our world that have at its heart a loving a love for God and for Jesus. So uh, I wouldn't say it's too simple. It's far too simplistic to say it poisons everything.
1: Mm. Well, maybe we can have a look at how Jesus finishes the parable because I think he explores a bit more about what true religion is like. And he says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return... I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So what does Jesus mean here by telling the story of the Good Samaritan?
0: Yeah, well, I think, uh, again, he's exposing to the, uh, the lawyer his inadequacy to actually truly love his neighbor. In the first century, Samaritan was uh, the, the traitor, the enemy to Israel, despised the scum of the earth. Um, we know it as the Good Samaritan, but that's only because of years of teaching on it. Right. Um, but to everyone, <laughs> everyone listening, that, was a, that would have been a very shocking um, character to, to emerge in the story and for him to cross the road and for him to show love and mercy to his enemy. Um, this is a very, very, very high standard of love that was getting to the heart of the lawyer to show that truly underneath it, at his heart, he was not fulfilling this law.
1: So then Jesus finishes with the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So what's Jesus saying here? There are many people who aren't Christians who love their neighbors. Does this mean that we just need to be really good to follow Jesus and hence inherit eternal life? Uh,
0: I, I wouldn't say that's the right reading of the text. Um, I think really if we keep on in the context of this text, what Jesus is trying to do is show the lawyer who was seeking to, remember, justify himself that he actually is falling short. So go and do likewise is confronting the man with his own sin. He's trying to help him realize that before God he is not justified. He would not do this. He does not do this. Therefore, he cannot go and do likewise. He actually he, he needs a savior at this point. That's what I think he's... Now, Scripture's full of other passages that call us to be merciful and to, to love kindness and all of those things. Um, but ultimately, it, it reminds me, certainly as I read it, you know, as I'm sure the, the lawyer needed to see, that, that we need a saviour. And I think that's key. If you're, not a, if you're not a believer, the message is not, well, I just need to work harder to be a better person. It's to see your absolute need for someone
1: who can save you redeem you rescue you well the question's just come in which could help clarify that how do you test someone's claim of belonging to the church
0: yeah it's a great question um well jesus often talks about that you know the fruits of the spirit mm-hmm. um and so um you know it's a lemon tree because there's lemons Um, (laughs) you know it's an apple tree because there's apples well uh, the bible talks about um, the fruit of the spirit love joy kindness patience gentleness self-control these are the kinds of things that we might expect in the life of a true believer in the life of the church Um, they're not the things that save us but the the evidence that we are saved that's probably the best way to to think Mm. about it Mm. Um, we're saved in a in a way that's completely and perfectly done by jesus in our justification it's instant and perfect but then he works within us it's slow and it's ongoing and it takes time to, to bear fruit so i think they're the kind of things that we'd want to look to um by uh, i think as jesus says you know by their love you'll know that they are my disciples mm. so if they're lacking love then that that should give us an indication that, that we might need to test that
1: salvation a little further well let's just push this a little bit further then but what about the non-believer who exhibits the fruit of a believer, but actually isn't a believer. How do you how do you how do you then test that they're really part of the church because they're not? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well,
0: I, I think we can be thankful for those those qualities. Um, you know, um, scripture we believe in a thing called common grace um, that God gifts people through. Um, but I think again and again and again and if we you know we had time to look through the scripture, we'll see that it's not about being a good person to enter. The kingdom. Jesus continually exposes that. It's about trusting in him and what he has done on the cross in our place. Mm-hmm. And so while someone might have uh, good qualities and, and, and good behaviors and all of those kinds of things, ultimately we've all run from God. Again, it goes back to understanding what what is what does it truly mean to be good and what does it truly mean to be to be evil? Uh, ultimately, you know, the story of scripture is about reconciling a relationship. And so I, I might be, you know, doing good, but am I right with God? Mm. I might be doing good for all kinds of other reasons, other motives. Mm. Um, but am I right with God? Am I inside his home? Do I eat at his table? Uh, that's what Jesus has come mm. to come and bring us home to him.
1: Mm. Now we have another question from our live audience. It's a slightly long one. It says, one of my problems with the church is I feel it creates a barrier to love against people. I understand that the church is always when people believe in Jesus but what happens when the church actually segregates itself, creates rules, creates a legalism, and you have to be in that culture or follow that brand to actually be a Christian? What do you think?
0: Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great uh, question. And and I think it's it, it again calls us, doesn't it, back a, again to the scriptures to continue to be in texts like this. These are very familiar text but again and again we must come back to it um again and again we want to uh, be looking to jesus and reminded of his leading and what he calls us to be I and mean, i think you, you know you look at the ministry of jesus and and his ministry to the sinners you know that he was mocked as the friend of sinners is very telling isn't it you know they spend a lot of his time eating with and dwelling with sinful people um the Bible is also clear on, on, on the call of Christians. Um, so there's a complexity there, isn't there, that, that, that it brings, the, you know, the church is a, a, a gathering of sinful people who are saved by Jesus. So that in and of itself suggests that there are going to be times where they stumble and times in which they fall and, and there will be conflict. But again and again and again, we want to come back to the gospel for our inspiration and, and, and
1: strength and, and to keep each other accountable on that. So Guy... Mm-hmm. God versus the church, I can't believe in God because the church causes more evil than good. What do you say? Well, that's, a, that's, the, that's the question. Um, I, again
0: and again, I, I'd love people to consider the person and work of Jesus. Um, I think it's very easy to get kind of lost in, the, in, in, in looking at the church instead of looking at, at Jesus. And I want to encourage people to look first at Jesus. Uh, and those who are followers of Jesus want to encourage them to be part of a better story, um, to play an active role in taking their faith seriously and letting that faith inspire them to also be a friend of sinners, to also be a person of mercy, to also be a person of peace and kindness. So I think there's a role for all of us. If someone's not yet a believer, explore the person of Jesus first, get right on that. Did he really live? Did he truly die? Has he uh, risen from the dead? If that is true, then that is of tremendous importance. And if you believe those things, well, let that truth govern and guide the way you live in this world. Be honest about your sin when you've sinned. Um, Be dependent upon uh, God's grace to to live a better life of, of mercy and peace.
1: Let me leave you with the Bible's answer to the big question, how can I believe when the church does wrong? From Luke 10, 36 to 37. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. I look forward to you joining us next time for Bigger Questions. Please thank our guest today, Guy Mason.
0: Enjoy bigger questions? You can help us keep asking them for as little as $1 a
1: podcast. Support the show, go to patreon.com slash biggerquestions.